Welcome to the Mid the Pines podcast, a place where Grove City College alumni and faculty give voice to their unique stories, contributions, and accomplishments. Our community is blessed with many individuals who are often recognized for their proficiency, purpose, and principles, all celebrated hallmarks of the distinctive Grove City College education. Learn more about their God-given callings and the work they are undertaking for the common good. These are their personal and professional stories. Hello, this is Joni Baumgartner from Grove City College, and I'm joined today by Grove City College Alumni Association President and member of the class of 1979, Carol McGamwell Yanuzzi. Carol was a business major here at the college and was involved in the Student Government Association, Women's Athletic Association, Orientation Board, Family Weekend, and ODK. She's the sister of the Gamma Chi sorority and was instrumental in establishing the Gamma Chi Alumni Scholarship Endowment. She has served on the Alumni Council for many years and is currently in the second year of her term as Alumni Association President. Professionally, Carol has had great success combining her business and fundraising skills with a personal passion for the issue of type 1 diabetes, promoting the research, education, and advocacy of this important cause through her roles at the American Diabetes Foundation and JDRF, formerly known as the Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation. She also served as a major gift officer for Grove City College during the Grove City Matters capital campaign. Carol is married to Dave Newhart, and they live in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. She has two adult children, a daughter in Pittsburgh and a son in Tampa, Florida. Carol, welcome. It's a great joy to have you with me here today on the Mid the Pines podcast. Well, thank you so much for inviting me to join you. I've been really eager to have our alumni really get to know you better since you represent them as the association president. So this is going to be a great discussion today. To start us off, Carol, how, tell us how you landed at Grove City College. Um, how did you know that this was the right place for you? I'd like to answer that second question first. Sure. I got foot on campus and I immediately knew it was where I wanted to go. I already knew it was strong academically and affordable. But there was just something. Being on this gorgeous campus for the first time, it just felt right. So going back to your first question, I grew up uh-huh. in Western New York and always thought I'd attend a state school in New York following both my older sister's paths. But I was introduced to the college from a friend in my youth group at church and visited on Parents Weekend my junior year with his family. From that point on, it was my goal and little did I know what would follow. So tell me a little more about your time here uh, while a student. Who were some of the influential people in your life, and what specific memories might stand out for you from your days on campus? As far as influential people, there were so many, and that list would include Dr. McKenzie and Nancy Paxton and Ross Foster and David Valley, John Sparks, Bruce Salman. I mean, there were so many I hold in very high esteem, but For me, Cynthia Walters from the Women's Athletic Department was particularly significant influence on my life. Uh, She was the faculty lead for Parents Weekend, and I was fortunate to serve as the student chair, so I spent countless hours at her side. She challenged me, she taught me, and also offered leadership and I would dare to say even project management advice Um, And although that was decades ago, 
some of those principles that she taught me, I still use them today. And as far as specific memories, countless, countless wonderful memories uh, still held very close in my heart. At the end of the day, though, my memories are, are basically all tied to relationships. My friends, so many still a part of my life. We had fun. I mean, we studied hard, mm -hmm. but we had fun. <laughs> And Absolutely. Since keep in mind, we couldn't walk on the grass back then. We <laughs> had to find other places to play. Um, Greek life was a source of a lot of memories, as well as orientation board, SGA, Sunday evening vespers. You know, in the dorm, everything from deep conversations to playing games and silly moments, racquetball, walks to Pizza Villa. You know, it just just endless, um, endless wonderful memories. It does seem to me like perhaps those experiences are what has fueled in part your desire to serve. And so you now are our Alumni Association president, as I mentioned in the intro. But tell me a little bit about how you got involved initially. And then, you know, how do you make time for this in your life? What motivates you to, to give back to the college like this? Well, the process to be a member of council is through a nomination process. So at some point, I guess it's as simple as... I was nominated and selected. Mm -hmm. I was fortunate that because I had worked at the college, I had met hundreds of alumni. And as such, I feel that I can represent a broad spectrum of alums, particularly from the 70s and early 80s. And as far as what motivates me, I think those who know me will, will definitely grasp this. It's my love for the college and the opportunity to serve with so many others. Have I always agreed with every decision made by the college through the decades? No, I haven't. But that doesn't eliminate or reduce my passion to serve my alma mater. It was the place, it is the place that impacted my life in an indescribable way and gave me a circle of friends who have supported each other through highs and lows of life for decades now. Right. It's, it's been the source of lifelong connections then. It really, for you. really has. That's amazing. And what I love about the college as well is that it prepares you not only for life and your future and, and even challenges your worldview and all of those great things, but it does prepare you obviously for a career. And you were a business major. You've had a great career um, in fundraising at, at different um, arenas, including the college, as we said, so that's, that's amazing, um, but also with some nonprofit organizations. And so I was wondering how your career trajectory unfolded after you graduated from the college. My career actually started in the for-profit world at a Chevrolet metal casting plant in Buffalo, New York. And due to very challenging economic time in the late 70s, the National General Motors Management Training Program was actually eliminated and we were all furloughed with no promise of returning. So after a move to Pittsburgh, I then worked for Federated Investors in Human Resources and interestingly enough, recruited on campus and hired several Grove City College, then students, now alums. So following that, I was fortunate to have the option to be a, uh, air quotes, stay-at-home mom for several years. And then when I returned to work, it was in the nonprofit world. My volunteer experience in that, that period of time 
revealed to me my passion and talents in the area of event planning, which introduced me to opportunities of event fundraising, first at the American Diabetes Association, then at JDRF. I, I was able to hold my personal passion for a mission into a career and add to that my work as major yeah. gift officer at the college. And I can truly say that I've been blessed, absolutely blessed throughout my career to combine a personal passion with my work. And although I do consider it an absolute blessing, there's a challenge to that. It's hard mm -hmm. to shut it off. And I am continuing to grow in the practice of setting professional boundaries. It is hard when you're passionate about something. You do tend to just want to give your all to that thing. Um, and you did mention um, that you're passionate about the cause of type 1 diabetes. Would you share how you got involved in this issue? And as we know, it's it's a real world current issue. It's such a medical crisis, I think, at the moment. Um, so tell us more about that. I'd be happy to, honored to, actually. My sister, Cheryl, was diagnosed with type 1 in the late 60s uh, as a teenager. And I watched the disease profoundly impact her life. And when I was presented with an opportunity, actually through a dear college friend, to work in this space, I jumped in. And I jumped in heart and soul. I truly felt called to a career where I could commit myself to make a positive impact on her life and so many others. She ultimately lost her life to its complications. And a few months before she died, she asked me to continue my work, as she said, for the kids. Mm -hmm. It's not just for the kids for me. It's for everyone living with type 1 diabetes and everyone who loves them. And that's what motivates me each and every day. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, for so many like my sister, her concern was for the kids being diagnosed with type 1, which showed her heart, always about the kids. However, one of the reasons... JDRF and the medical community have moved away from the phrase ju juvenile diabetes is that it's misleading as adults can be diagnosed with type 1 and those living with it spans generations. Mm -hmm. So this passion of mine has allowed me to serve in a variety of roles at JDRF, including the executive director in the Western PA chapter. And I now serve on the national leadership giving team, supporting chapters across the country as we focus on cultivating and stewarding our generous donors, sharing with them the impact of their gifts. And I do think of my sister often, especially as I learn of each breakthrough in research that would have made a difference in her life that is making a difference for others now. For so many others. Well, I really thank you for, for opening up and sharing that personal side of the story. Um, so sorry for the, the loss of your sister. Thank you. But, but truly amazed that you have taken that passion and her challenge to you to take up the mantle and just continue, you know, making an impact each and every day. And so as you do that, Carol, what are you seeing? What, what do you consider the most challenging thing right now as as our world is working very hard to make headway um, with this terrible disease. Like, what is it that you're seeing um, as in the way of trends? There are so many challenges. It's hard to identify a single one. Without question, funding is needed 
to support our mission. And uh, our mission is improving lives today and tomorrow by accelerating life-changing breakthroughs to cure, prevent, and treat T1D and its complications. And our vision is truly a world without type 1 diabetes. Our CEO often says, cures is our North Star. And the focus on improving lives ensures that people will be healthier when cures are available. I mean, as you can imagine, COVID had a significant impact on our in-person fundraising events and huge changes had to be made within our and many other nonprofit organizations. Deep cuts were made in staff and all the volunteers have always been an important part of our work. It was crucial for volunteers and donors to step up in even a larger way. So, you know, as far as advocacy, although cures and improving lives are what most people think about, equally as important is our work in advocacy because those advancements are only a complete success if available to all, which leads to our policy work related to health insurance, Medicare, pharma, et cetera. Right. There's so many, so many layers, so many there facets are. There of really this are. To, to fundraise for, frankly, yes. um, not just research, but then, you know, those elements themselves, you know, the, the advocacy and um, just education and all of those things require fundraising as well. So I know you've had your work cut out for you, for sure. <laughs> um, it, and you mentioned research and the whole idea of seeing that world one day where there is no um, diabetes anymore. What have you seen recently as far as strides in research advancements and, and even advocacy? Like, what are you seeing as the gains that you're making? I started with JDRF in 2004. And when I think back to what we were funding at the time, I am in awe of the advancements. Let me say this, though. <laughs> um, for the parents of kids with type 1 and adults living with it for decades, the advancement toward cures, it's never fast enough. I do acknowledge that. What I have seen though, we now have devices to monitor and treat blood glucose levels. We have screening techniques that will identify those who are at greatest risk for type one. We've advocated for coverage of continuous glucose monitors. We're making progress on insulin pricing, clinical trials are underway for beta cell replacement, behavioral health issues as a result of living with type 1, development of faster acting insulins, and so much more. So when I use the phrase accelerated pace of research, it is not a company line. It is a reality. Right. I think we're definitely in that phase now where uh, research can happen quickly and changes can be implemented quickly as well. But it's all really thanks to great people like you who are doing that hard work on the front end um, to raise money to make sure that those research opportunities can move forward and, and move forward quickly to impact lives, like you're saying. And with that, we will be right back after this commercial break. All roads lead home for Homecoming 2022. It's the biggest gathering of the year, and we are so excited to have alumni back home on Friday, September 30th through Sunday, October 2nd. Class years ending in twos and sevens will celebrate reunions, and Greek groups will mark special anniversaries with a lineup of unique events. Congratulations to Tri Zetas on their 105th anniversary, Beta Sigma on their 100th anniversary, 
and Alpha Beta Tau and Omicron Xi celebrating their 75th anniversaries. Reconnect with classmates, enjoy the best parade in the region and all that homecoming has to offer. Register now at alumni.gcc.edu slash homecoming. However you travel and no matter what road you take, make sure you get back home to Grove City College this fall to enjoy memory reminiscing to memory making with fellow alumni and friends. And welcome back to Mid the Pines. Once again, I'm here with Carol McGamwell Yanuzi, class of 1979. And we've been talking with her about her work uh, regarding type one diabetes, fundraising for that work and working in that nonprofit arena, as well as her role as our Alumni Association president. Um, so jumping back to the diabetes issue, Carol, and your work with that. So I was just hoping that we might be able to touch briefly on um, really for those who don't understand the disease. Um, it, you know, even I, I needed to learn uh, in talking with you that it's called T1D now, type 1 diabetes and not juvenile diabetes, as you had mentioned earlier. Um, but what are some other basic insights that you can share about this disease, um, how it affects people of all ages, that type of thing? And what are, what are warning signs? What are red flags that, that we should be aware of with regard to our children if, in, in case we're noticing things with them or even in ourselves? Okay, let me start with warning signs. And if those listening take away anything from this talk, please let it be this, as it is incredibly important to be diagnosed when symptoms first present. It's important to share these signs with your doctor and request test of your blood glucose levels. Warning signs, increased thirst, frequent urination, extreme hunger, unintended weight loss, irritability, mood changes, fatigue, and weakness. And I would say just please, if you notice those, please see your doctor right away. Moving to some basics of the disease, there are different kinds of diabetes, which often leads to a misunderstanding about the disease. Type one is an autoimmune disease. And very simply, the immune system attacks the pancreas and the body no longer makes its own insulin or very, very little of it. So the person living with the disease needs to inject insulin to stay alive. That may sound dramatic, but insulin is not an option. It's life-sustaining. And the people who live with it didn't do anything wrong prior to onset of the disease. It was a function of their immune system. Parents of newly diagnosed children sometimes hear, oh, did you give them too much sugar? Which absolutely puts parents over the edge and me too. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, you know, a parent just learned that their child's life and quite frankly, the family's life has just dramatically changed. And those comments are not helpful. Although uh, there is a genetic link with type 1 diabetes, but 85% of diagnosis, diagnoses have no family history. So screening for type 1 is important and also a focus for JDRF. Through incredible research right now, we're learning that we can delay the progression of type 1 with much more to come on that as clinical trials are ongoing. That's amazing. And thank you for those great tips. I know some of us experience, you know, maybe some of those um, 
symptoms just from time to time. But I think when you start to see some of them together as well, too, that that should send that red flag uh, waving high yeah. for us for yeah. us to respond to, right? And, and so you've described your um, your willingness and your passion to continue advocating for type one diabetes as long as you can, and 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 on behalf of your sister. As you keep doing that throughout your life, how can others join you? How can others get involved in this fight? I would say whether it's type one diabetes or an, another disease that's touched your family, I encourage you to get involved and there are so many options. I would start by educating yourself about the disease and the organizations addressing the related needs. Volunteering is always an option. Most nonprofits rely heavily on volunteers to accomplish their work as staffs are typically small. Uh, JDRF has an unbelievable network of volunteers supporting families touched by type 1, especially in the early years after diagnosis. Advancements in research cost money. Financial support can be a personal donation. It can be fundraising, including the organization in estate plans, asking an employer for support as a sponsor, and the list goes on. There's so many ways to get involved, and um, the organizations, they need you. Right, right. And I am sure that as we're seeing in in the in most nonprofit organizations right now that that volunteerism may be lacking as we are coming off of COVID and people stayed home and were not as involved. So perhaps this is a call. This is a this is a time to consider yeah. how you can jump back in or jump in for the first time if you mm-hmm. haven't been involved before. So yeah. Well, I, I am so thankful for what you shared regarding type 1 diabetes, and I hope that um, that others will follow your advice. But I would love to shift our conversation just for our last few minutes with you today uh, to talk about your role as our Alumni Association President here at Grove City College. Um, I was sitting in the audience watching graduation happen back in May, and I saw that you shook the hand of each and every one of the class of 22 graduates. So. That was impressive to me because there was, you know, 500 plus of them. Um, but what words of wisdom would you offer them if they're listening and to any of our fellow alumni uh, as they consider kind of this next chapter in their lives? Well, let me start by saying that as I did that, I saw future leaders. I saw leaders in their home, in business, in education, ministry, public service, sports, medicine, you know, what so many more so many more fields and it was truly an honor to congratulate them and welcome them to the alumni association mm-hmm. as far as words of wisdom a little bit tougher question i would say be true to who you are and keep your heart and mind open as you deal with circumstances that will continue to unfold throughout your life after all it's not our plan And from a Grove City College perspective, take advantage of a small but very strong alumni network. And it's a network who really, we look out for each other. Even though everyone's college experience was a bit different, it is the bond of being an alum that creates this unique network. That's right. That's right. And it, you, you mentioned it being a small network. And under your presidency, we have now seen our alumni association swell to over 30,000 nationwide and worldwide. So that's amazing. And that means that there is a small but mighty 
group of alumni who are out there making strides and making a difference in the world, no matter their, their field. Um, so I know that as our Alumni Association president, that you would have an encouragement for your fellow alumni of every age, not just our class of 2022, but alumni everywhere can be involved with the college too, just as you are. What would your words of wisdom be for them? Stay engaged or re-engage. And a great way to do that is get back to campus. I encourage you to come home. And homecoming is a great opportunity to do that. Engagement in the college can deepen or begin with something as simple as reading the emails, follow social media, attending college events in your area, and now a plug for the college, please keep your contact information up to date so that you can hear about those amazing events in your area. Supporting the college can be done in many ways. Financial support is critically important, as, as is sharing the Grove City story with high school students. Are there doors you can open for our advancement teams? Financial support can come from friends of the college, foundations, corporations who share our vision. Another way to be involved is to contact career services to share job opportunities. So many options for engagement. And if you're not sure how, I would say contact our advancement team and they will plug you in and it will be a positive experience for you. And I think Absolutely. you'll you'll feel good again about your, your alma mater. Absolutely. And as you described in the very beginning of, of our talk, um, these are lifelong relationships. And so sometimes, you know, we all, we know life gets in the way and people get busy, but um, you can always come back. Relationships are, are there and, and ready to be nurtured again. And so we do, we do invite you. Thank you for that encouragement to our alumni association members. Um, Carol, it's been such a pleasure just chatting with you today. Um, thank you for letting your fellow alumni get to know you a little bit better. Um, I, I, I think it was critically important for them to understand who their leader is and uh, the great work that you've been doing leading our alumni council members. You have new committees formed to really um, take a look at um, the impact that, that alumni are making. So thank you so much for your work. And, and thank you for your work on behalf of diabetes research and fundraising. I wish you the greatest success. Um, I do hope that in your lifetime and in mine, maybe we will we'll see the eradication of this for people everywhere. So Carol, I wanted to mention for our listeners too, uh, where they can learn a little bit more about this cause, about diabetes and what they can do to help. And you had shared with me before that a good place to start would be at the website www.jdrf.org. That would be a wonderful place to gain more information and figure out how to plug in. Um, additionally, I wanted to mention if folks out there listening are um, wanting to learn more about the second part of our conversation, which was how to really reconnect with the Alumni Association, they can visit alumni.gcc.edu. That is our alumni website. The questions and inquiries about anything could also be emailed to us at alumni at gcc.edu. Thank you again, Carol. Thank you for this amazing opportunity. Home is where everything Thank you for listening to the Mid the Pines podcast. Explore more episodes at alumni.gcc.edu slash podcast. Our co-producers are Joni Baumgartner and Amy Evans. Research provided by Janice Zinsner Inman, class of 1987. Audio editing is provided by Jennifer Hiles. 
Our theme music is Home, courtesy of the family of the late David M. Bailey, class of 1988. Contact us at alumni at gcc.edu for more information. We hope you'll join us again, Mid the Pines.